When you're running a business, you learn something new every day. And with those lessons, you get better and better at growing your business and leading your team. Today's guest, Ted Bainbridge, is no stranger to these tough lessons. Ted is the president and CEO of Build Magazine, a publication created to showcase a curated collection of a region's most talented and inspired craftsmen in the building industry. During our conversation with Ted, we covered a lot of incredible lessons and words to live by. We hope you can pick up a few nuggets of wisdom from Ted in this episode. so great to see you again. Um, thanks for coming on to our podcast. We we got to be on yours a little bit ago, and now here you are. We're getting to host you. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Yes. Whatever day we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, that was a little confusing. Um, well, I hear that you are at the ocean currently. You've got quite the view. I am. I am. So and you know, the ocean is one of Gail's favorite places to be. It should be everybody's favorite place to be. I'm trying to come up with, for a uh, a builder client on the ocean, I'm trying to come up with a tagline of, and I can't figure it out yet, so I'm working on it, but uh, the pictures that they sent me were spectacular views from this house that they built. And it's, you know, one of my thoughts was, uh, this is our rush hour, or this is our rat race. Uh, and I can't figure out what I'm going to do. So I don't know if some of those uh, terminologies are used anymore or if they're just for old people like me. <laughs> Aaron, you're the younger generation. You're tech support. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm used to rat race. Um, I say occasionally I'll say something um, and my kids will go, wait, what does that mean? So I, it, it is definitely happening. I can't think of one right now, but I said something like, Lucy Goosey the other day and and my son's like I'm not a goose like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> well let's talk about some of the things that inspire you why don't you talk about that a little bit what is it that um, really makes you happy so first and foremost when I wake up every morning and I look at my wife that makes me happy so my day always gets off to the right start and That's a great answer by the way if she's listening you just want some major brownie points <laughs> Well, so it's interesting. My wife, have you, you've never seen her. Never met her, no. Oh, you're going to meet her. She's adorable. And we've been, uh, next month is our 34th anniversary. Congratulations. We dated for five weeks and then we got engaged. We met in high school, but didn't date until I was almost out of college. Um, and I truly believe that it's a choice. And so, the cool thing about the world we live in is you can pick your friends. You can't pick your family. That's a struggle sometimes. Um, but who you want to surround yourself with is 100% your choice. Mm -hmm. And we've been very fortunate, very lucky to have amazing clients. And, and a lot of those clients become friends, just like my buddy here. Um, and... So, so I look to them and there's always something that you can pick up when you're talking to somebody or in the environment that you're in. And so I get inspiration from a variety of different things. You know, when I met you ladies through Patty Jolber at Chi and Ben, uh, that was the first connection point. And then Klaus Bear at WRJ in Jackson. And they're incredible. They're incredible. They are. Um, not that Patty's not, I just, Jackson is a, a whole new level of 
incredible. And yet they're so down to earth. And I just think, especially in today's world where, you know, we were just talking that it's all about me, focus on me, highlight reels. It's regular life is fun just by being around the right people and you find inspiration in a variety of different things. Absolutely. Well, I love that you brought up Richard Branson in answering some of the questions we sent to you in advance. And I think he's one of the most fascinating people. I love his personality and how he is one of these people. He's such a visionary and he's able to think so far ahead about so many different things. And then he has this incredible zest for life. He just enjoys everything that he does. It comes through loud and clear with him. So how does that inspire you? Yeah, he is an interesting dude, isn't he? he is. I mean, I I've read enough about him. He had a book that came out probably 10 years ago that I read, and I'm afraid of heights. And he took a hot air balloon across the Pacific Ocean, which would scare me to, I mean, I would be <laughs> terrified. I'm one of those people that gets on the Empire to the top of the Empire State Building, and I literally am walking to the edge on my back foot with my hands out. And I look at what Richard Branson does, uh, and he's he's inspiring, and he lives, he loves life, lives it. And that quote that I put in there about people talk about work time and play time, he goes, it's all living. And it's so true. You know, I also put in the Nike, uh, the Nike quote because, once again, so many people, and maybe because I'm 59, they're starting to ask more and more, when are you going to retire? Um, whenever God says it's time to go home. You know, you, you retire when you die. And I just think that that keeps you younger. It keeps you healthier. It keeps you focused. Being around people like you keeps you, keeps you wanting to reach for more. And... Nike, there is no finish line because it's true. It's your life. You can paint it however you want. Uh, so why not, why not paint it with fun? I love that. What do you do for fun? What's fun for you? Well, everything I do is fun. <laughs> I, I haven't worked in years. And in it, it really does come down to um, I've taken my wife and my kids all over the world. We go everywhere. We're like this little pack of animals. We're we're the bison in Yellowstone. We do everything together. And my attitude has always been, if you don't like my wife, you don't like my kids, you're not going to like me. Let's not do business. So our passion is uh, we've taken our golf clubs everywhere. We took our kids when they were, I think they were six, six and eight or five and seven. And we drug them to Australia and we took our golf clubs with us. Wow. And this was in 1999. And so um, our passion is to play golf. And my wife's a really good golfer, so that helps. Uh, but she never golfed as a kid. And even though her parents were members at a couple of the nicest courses in Canada, she never golfed. She was an athlete doing swimming and baseball. And uh, so she marries me and I played a bunch of competitive golf when I was a kid. Uh, and then at 28, we had our first child. And she picked up a golf club and now she's a 10 handicap. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. impressive. Oh, she's when you guys meet her, she is awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. Love hearing that. I love men who appreciate their wives. That is a great, great asset. I, I happen to be married to one of those two. He's great. He is. Yeah. I had a comment from a photographer yesterday. I've known this guy for 20 years. 
and I shared it with my wife. And I just think that it's a like people need to get out of their own way and decide what they want to do. And this guy said, and this this story goes back 15 years. We were on Vancouver Island with, and it was myself and he and his wife, and Leslie wasn't with me at the time. And we were doing photo shoots for some clients and we're we're hanging out. I had rented this this uh, condo uh, for the three of us to stay in. And he goes, and I didn't know this until yesterday. He goes, Ted. Um, he said, my I was my wife's not with me this this week, so I'll see her later on today. And uh, he said, uh, so is Leslie with you? And I go, no. And he goes, oh, so a little getaway time. And I go. No, I could spend 24 hours a day with my wife. I don't like going anywhere without her. Aww. And he goes, I, I know that's the case. He goes, it really resonated 15 years ago when when the three of us were in uh, in bank or on Vancouver Island. And your comment was, all you could do is talk about your wife. And she wasn't with us. And he goes, and that speaks volumes. It does. It does. So relationships are important to you. It's obvious. And we can certainly tell just in the time that we've met and worked with you, which is not that many months, but it has been a lot of fun getting to know you and know your business. And I would love for you to share a little bit about um, your magazine and some of the things you're doing and maybe your vision for the future with it. So your timing is great because we just went through an exhausting branding session. Not quite as exhausting as the questions you sent me yesterday. But <laughs> who thought up those questions? They're brilliant. Oh, probably Gail from one of her readings or some combination of something amazing. I think I don't it was know. Aaron. I, I think it's Aaron. <laughs> I, I mean, truthfully, I guess, and I'm just as I'm asking the question and laughing myself. You are a coach, so I guess those are just normal questions to ask people. Um, but they're really, uh, they really are thought provoking, which is which is great. But Build Magazine, BuildMagazine.com was a creation of ours uh, in 2016, and we have been publishing visitor guides since 1995. And we, uh, one of the gals in our office, came up with this idea years ago. And her her degree is in interior design. She said, I think we, we need to do a, a, a like a home magazine or something for the building trade. And we, we had never ventured outside the, the box, except I bought a, uh, a lifestyle magazine in Whitefish, Montana. But other than that, we had always stuck in our lane. And so I go, OK, well, let's think about that. So we started to brainstorm and we came up with a concept. And I went to my builder because my wife and I built three custom homes in in Bend, Oregon. And so I said, hey, Jim, there's nothing to buy. I want to pick your brain. I literally was doing market research to figure out if this is a good idea or not. And so I show him a copy of a national building magazine, which I really have a lot of admiration for, and our concept. And I said, we just want the A-list of people in the building trade. So no Ashley Furniture, no DR Hort, no Lumber like theirs. We just want the, the cream of the crop. And he goes, Teddy, I love the idea, but how are you gonna make sure you don't have, say, Ashley Furniture? I said, simple, we're gonna do it 100% by referral. So it's kind of the cool kids in the industry. And that's how we built it. And then I went and talked to the gal who owns Sotheby's as part of my research. And I said, 
hey, I've got this idea. There's nothing to buy. Let me buy you lunch. And within five minutes, she goes, where's your rate card? I want to advertise. That's my clientele. This is a brilliant idea. And I said, you can't. No realtors. She goes, what? I said, I don't want realtors. My buddy owns the Rolex store. He wanted the back cover. I said, no. I started saying no to people. And now it's what's defined us as a company. And so when we expand into markets, like we were always on the West Coast, but we went into Naples and now we're in Palm Beach and we're looking at Charleston at some point. It because because we and this is something I think that's really important for all businesses. It's important to know who you are and who your customers are. But more importantly, it's to know who you're not, because not everybody is your customer. So you could be a restaurant that says, oh, everybody is my customer. But if you're if your average ticket is a hundred dollars a person, not everybody is going to be able to afford that. So some of the cool things that we're working on now is, as I mentioned off air, we hired this company, CEO Coaching International. And they've been around, I think, 14 or 15 years. The guy who um, started it, Mark Moses, had started other businesses. Oddly enough, he's a Canadian as well. He grew up in a rural mining town in, in just outside of Toronto. And his parents went bankrupt. They were in the clothing business, went bankrupt in the 80s. And so Mark is a is a very, very talented business person, but salesperson as well. And his story is he had a uh, uh, painting, like a college pro painting. I don't know the name of the, the painting firm, but when he was in college, he would paint houses and he had a crew and he, he started to learn how to operate the crew and manage the crew. And then he moved to Southern California and he started it there, met his wife. Then he got into the mortgage business and he sold it for, um, I think he sold it for 10 figures or they were doing 10 figures in mortgage. So a billion dollars in mortgages 15 wow. years ago. That's a lot wow. of money. Yeah, That's a lot of money today. So, yeah. so then he started this coaching company. Once he sold it, he was 40 years old. And he goes, what am I going to do? And so I meet him through a friend of mine and they have completely changed the way I think about business. And then I meet you guys. And it's funny how when you open yourself up to the universe without getting mystical or anything, but when you start having higher level conversations with you, with people, it's amazing what happens and what, so what your brain does. Um, Mark was in uh, YPO. And so I went to one of the events at his house which is on the intercoastal overlooking the city of Miami, beautiful home. And there's 45 other business people that were all clients from around the country. And I have never been involved in YPO. They start asking questions like, um, uh, deep questions. So what's a situation where you were completely uncomfortable? Questions like what you asked in the, the questionnaire. Um, where you're completely uncomfortable and how did you solve it and get through it? And there's a table of nine of us and everybody went around the nine. And so it was like, well, these are questions to kind of open up the clamshell as opposed to, hey, how you doing? How's business? All, you know, superficial right. stuff. This was really deep, meaningful stuff. So I've started to incorporate that when I'm talking with my team. Um, then our coach did a branding session two weeks ago and that was 
three and a half hours of exhaustion, even though you're just sitting there talking. And it's kind of like talking about your brand, talking about your vision statement. Talk, and she would use examples of um, like Google's mission statement or, or um, Apple's mission statement or Coca-Cola's mission statement. And it was, you look at it and you understand why these big companies operate at the level that they do and why they can transcend the founder. Like look at Apple. Apple, everybody got nervous when Steve Jobs died because they didn't know who Tim Cook was or what Tim Cook was gonna do with the company. And as good as Steve Jobs was, Tim Cook has taken it to a whole other level. And it's not about Tim Cook, it's about the team around him, but he gets, he gets the best out of them. Mm -hmm. So that is what excites me about what we're doing because the comment that we get, oh, we also, we did a, uh, we did a survey of our clients. Now we only got 10% of the clients that responded, but that was good enough. And one of the comments was from the survey was, I'm probably not gonna renew because I only see the rep once a year. And, and I went, oh, well, that's a lousy comment, but that's where the opportunity is. Because I'm a firm believer that you don't learn anything from your successes, you learn it from your failures. So, so I, I, in, in one thing that I have trained myself to do is, or maybe just because I'm older, but I'm not threatened when somebody says, you're not doing this right. I listen, I process, I either give it validity or I don't. Um, but I listened to what this, this client said. And so I sent out an email to my team the next day and I go, hey, we did a survey of our clients. We got lots of, lots of positive comments. People love the magazine. It's beautiful. It's inspiring. It's all this. I said, but we got one that we need to work on and we've got a simple solution for this. And what I did was I broke it down and I said, your average client, like 90% of our clients commit for three years, but we only do the magazine once a year, but they want that consistency of their brand. And then 82.1% of them will re renew for another three years because they truly do like what we do. And um, they wanna be associated with the other A-listers in the, in, the, in the industry. So what I said to my team was, I broke it down, I go, if you guys would just pop in on your clients once a quarter, for 15 minutes, not to be intrusive. It's not a full-blown meeting. It's just, I care. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Hey, have you met so-and-so? I just met this other, and trying to connect these people. I said, now all of a sudden you're building a relationship with people as opposed to every time you see them, you've got your hand out. And I said, so you spend 15 minutes, four times a year, put on your calendar so you know that you do it. And then, your retention will go way up and we're not gonna get comments like that. And it's not a big deal. And I equated it to, here's how much a client is worth to you. So now you're gonna spend two hours a year with them over the course of the year. It's a pretty good hourly wage. And everybody, the feedback was, never thought of it that way. That's a brilliant idea. And it all came because we got a negative comment from somebody. Yeah. Sorry, I rambled. No, I love that. No, we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Aaron and I get those uh, conversations at least uh, once every few weeks, and we have those moments of 
learning where we have to stop and um, address how we feel about it. And then we have to do something about it. So it's a really good thing for us all to realize we're not perfect. And our goal is to be, we have positive intent is one of our culture words. And to us, we're always trying to do the right thing, but you're not always going to do the right thing in the right way for everybody because everyone else has a different opinion. So I think that's one of the things that you're saying or I'm understanding from this is you have to think about the other person and certainly think about the relationship over the transaction, which I think is key for everybody in business today. Yeah, I think that sometimes you just have to make sure that you're realizing that you've created a safe space for people to, to feel comfortable and letting you know when something is off or doesn't feel right or that you value their opinion, right? Um, yeah. So it's so easy to read something and be like, wow, like, this is not what I wanted to hear. This is how I feel <laughs> like, oh, like all of a sudden the hairs are up on my neck. And then I'm like, okay, well, now we went through that little cycle. Um, gosh, I'm so appreciative that people uh, feel confident enough in our relationship that they can share feedback and because they know that we'll do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. So is it tough to get people to to embrace feedback? That's a great question. And I would say there are variations of uh, of the range and it depends on who you're talking to and what your relationship is with them. I think one of the things that I see for our clients with their, for example, their team, sometimes they're afraid to give feedback because they're afraid of what that person's going to think or feel. They don't want to hurt people's feelings. And what happens is they're not giving appropriate feedback that will help that person be better. So that person would rather have feedback that isn't perfect. Maybe it's considered guidance rather than not know what the owner is thinking. So until people get to that authentic place where they're able to say whatever it is that they're thinking, I don't think that we have an honest relationship. And just to add to that, I think that one of the things that I'm learning in my position in our company, I've taken a big step back on some areas that I always had my hands in. Um, and there's, it doesn't always feel good every single day, right? Like the Aaron's in control factor. I'm only in control of certain things now, which, you know, makes for a much happier and productive Aaron. But I think that what I struggle with is getting feedback on things that maybe I don't have my hands on anymore. But at the end of the day, Gail and I still get the feedback because it's, or, you know, that this is, it's our company, like, right. It's what we're representing. And so to be able to decipher, like, cause I want to just like pinpoint, like what happened and how to fix it. And then like, fix it. I'm a fixer. And it's really hard for me to like sit back kind of on the sidelines and accept it and deliver it in a positive way to our team and then, you know, help with some, some type of solution that I might not be completely involved in. And that's, I felt like I've been feeling some growth in that area lately. Cause I'm just used to like digging right in and like, let's just go fix this. And I've, I've been coming to go going, well, I'm not quite sure what to do here. <laughs> so I've, I've got a, a, a good buddy of mine and he owns a, um, a brewery and it's a pretty big brewery and they got 
350 employees and they're all across the country. And I remember 20 years ago, I, I said to him, I go, Gary, and, and I really, he probably gets tired when I tell the story, but it really is a very good uh, comment, especially as you're trying to build a company. I go, you've got incredible people that work for you, your managers, your, the people that I know of, which is a handful. And he goes, yeah, they don't always make the decision that I would make, but he said, if their heart's in the right spot when they make it, and it turns out to be a bad decision, we just run with it. And I can't control every aspect, you know, going Aaron back to what you just said, we can't control every aspect. We've got to empower people around us or else we're just going to stay a small company. Mm -hmm. And you've got to understand, like my daughter works for Honeywell Aerospace and she goes, dad, you cannot believe the amount of money that we waste. And I go, that's, that's businesses will do that. And when you're a small business, you look at that money and go, well, that's my car payment or that's my mortgage or whatever. And he, and you've got you've to look at it from 30,000 feet and go, what do I want to do as a company? Because we're going to have an oil spill every once in a while. Right. That's just part of the whole process. Well, and when we work with our clients, uh, especially when I'm working with team members of our clients, you know, I always share that I, like right out of school, I started interning with Gail and her design business. And 17 years later, here we are, we've built our coaching company and consulting company together. And I think it's the mold that Gail was made out of, but it's a beautiful one. And, you know, I've made mistakes. Like I have made mistakes and I don't love to always, I mean, even this morning, I kind of like flopped up on the Zoom link, you know, but I've made some pretty big mistakes, even in, whether it was in our design business or it was in this business. And I, I've never had Gail yell at me, you know, uh, say something horrible to me in front of other people, you know, make me feel horrible about it. Like I know when we're going to have a serious conversation, but it, she's always turned it around to being a learning moment. And how can we learn from this? How can we grow from this? And that is such a healthy spot to be in. And so sometimes when I hear like topics that are coming from like team member topics that are coming through from other businesses or things that people are worried about, I've never had a work life where I've had to be in a toxic work environment or I've had to deal with somebody that's like really, really well. I've had, I have had a few strokes for different folks, but, um, you know, I, I come back and I'm like, is this what people are really worried about on a daily basis? Like, cause this isn't the environment that Gail fostered me in when I was in her design business and that we don't foster in our coaching consulting business. So. It's interesting to me. I guess I've been kind of protected. So it's it's interesting listening to and, and my you just took my brain um, somewhere, and that is that you talk about honest feedback and being in a safe space where you feel like you can give constructive feedback and somebody's not going to lash out at you like you're you've got a you know a black bear on you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I listen to you and I wonder in today's world with, you know, we can't, we don't have first place, second place, third place, everybody gets an award. Mm-hmm. We can't hurt people's feelings 
and we struggle with what the English language is. And, and I go back to, because I had a conversation with our friends two nights ago, and we were talking about the political environment, and it's not, it's not reality to, to not hurt people's feelings. That's not the world. And it's not, if you're, if you're being constructive and you're not mean, now some people are flat out mean, but they go, oh yeah, well, do you remember Whitewater? Now, Aaron, you probably don't, but Gail, you probably do. No. <laughs> so this is Bill Clinton. So because we we're talking about, um, we we're talking about, and I'm not getting into politics because it's on both sides, but all the stuff on Trump and they go, oh, well, do you remember Whitewater? Because it was just as bad on Clinton. And then he got on TV and he goes, well, what's the definition of the word is? Do we really need to make things that complicated? This is the English language. Let's understand what sometimes you have to be tough with people. And sometimes it's not going to be, not everybody's going to win a prize. Mm -hmm. So, so sometimes I just, I look at it and I go, we want, we want honest feedback. Don't tell me, oh, you're fantastic. Oh, I love you. Oh, this is great. When you walk away from the conversation and you go, that person is worthless or what they're doing is horrible. You got to be honest with people. Yeah, I know you've read so many books and this popped up in a VIP day yesterday where just talking about how to have the tools in your toolkit to have hard conversations because a lot of so many business owners and I'm not saying I'm looping them all into one, but so many business owners, you know, it's such an intimate business and they end up you know, if something's bothering them or they identify a problem and then they don't want to have to deal with upsetting someone or having a hard conversation. Um, and then, and then it just festers or nothing gets done about it. And it's a bigger problem later. So what are some of the things that, that, uh, you have in your toolkit, Gail, for those hard conversations? <laughs> well, I'm still learning and it's a work in process. I don't think we ever quit learning how to give feedback, but, one of the books I read recently that I, I would highly recommend is Radical Candor. And it is, uh, it's an excellent book that helps you know how to address the situations. And sometimes it's how you say it, not what you say. So to me, it's really about learning um, not to be reactive, but to be proactive, but kind. Be, and it's best to be kind, but honest with people. So there's always a way to give feedback that is going to help that person, but not tear them down as a person. So it's not about a personal attack. It's about giving feedback on the activity that that person did. So I think that's really the, the key to giving that feedback. And also just remember that the person has feelings because people's feelings do get hurt. And is the intent is not to hurt people's feelings, but to make them better and to help them see the way so that they can build a better uh, response to whatever the situation is that they're in. So I don't know. How about you, Ted? What, what do you think about that? Well, so, so there's a couple of things. One is uh, don't be mean. Like if you come at it and you give feedback and the feedback is negative, if you're not mean, then it's less about you and it's more about here. This is, it's your choice, it's your life. You control it however you want. 
but this is what I'm seeing as an outsider or as a client, or this is what I don't like. And that's my personal opinion. You might say, hey, you're totally out to lunch, or you might say, no, that makes total sense. So I, I think of I think of raising our kids and it's tough love. Sometimes you have to discipline them. Um, and I think if kids get disciplined, they become, they understand the boundaries because we all need boundaries. But you don't discipline your kid like you're trying to be mean, or most people don't. I sure didn't. Um, but was I firm with them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now they're functioning adults and they're, they're, I'm proud of them whenever they go out. And it's funny, my mom used to always say, if you're going to be a jerk, be a jerk at home. But when you go out, you carry the Bainbridge name, and that is not something that you should uh, you should take lightly. And so we, I never like I never embarrassed the family. Yeah. Um, so I just think I just think being being firm and but reasonable. And it's kind of like when you give somebody, and I won't use the phrase, but it's a crap sandwich. You want to give them something positive. Here's the correction, and end on a on a good note so that they walk away and they feel good about themselves. There, there's another thing that I learned from a, uh, a really good business buddy of mine 20 years ago, and he would wake up every morning and he would have his list and he would get the lousy calls out of the way first. Because Aaron, you just touched on it. How many times, and I've got a, a gal who works for me that was in a bad relationship and she just ended it two weeks ago. And she said, I've been putting this off for probably a year and a half because I just didn't want to deal with it. But our brain does not allow us to turn it off. It's constantly nagging at us, mm-hmm. just chewing away because you've got to deal with it. And so my buddy would say, he goes, I get the lousy calls out of the way first so that I can go about my day and not think about, you know, oh, I got to phone this person. I got to deal with this. And I think that's a really good lesson for people to, to uh, learn as well. Well, and I think that goes into just choosing what you're working on for the day too, is to tackle the big things first, eat the frog as they, as they say, that's a Brian Tracy book. And if you can do that first, then everything else gets easier. So what we avoid just continues and we have to understand that our behavior is going to either make us happy or miserable. And so you've given a couple of great tips on how to be a lot happier. (laughs) It's uh, it's it's an interesting process, mm-hmm. but to your point, you never stop learning. And if you choose, if you choose to stop learning, that's your choice. I think then you get sick and then you get grumpy. You know those those people as they get older, you go, hey, so and so is becoming a real grouch. I think that they were a grouch when they were thirty, but we just put up with it. And as they get older, maybe they get shorter or whatever. I do not think I'll ever be a grouch. Gail, you'll never be a grouch. Hopefully not. And Aaron, I probably, you probably don't even know how to be a grouch. Oh, my kids could probably disagree with you if I'm hungry or I'm hot. <laughs> you keep me fed and watered. I'm pretty good. Yes. Well, you had also mentioned, since we were talking about books a minute ago, that you like this book, Make Big Happen, Yeah. Mark Moses. Tell us yeah. about that. 
Okay, I am so glad you brought it up because literally 15 seconds ago, I'm thinking, I hope she asked me about this book. <laughs> so, so this is the guy I was just telling you about, and it is a step-by-step, basically textbook. I mean, it's a it's a book, but it goes through so clearly on the different steps of a business and how and it and I read it and it was. All you have to do if you want a successful business is you read this book and you follow the chapters and you don't read it like it's a novel. You read it like it's an outline for successful businesses. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, they and, have- I, and I encourage all yeah. um, make big happen. Mark Moses, all of the people that listen to your podcast or or your gals at um, that are clients of yours. I say gals. Sorry, I, that's you know, your clients, because I know that there are a lot of men in the industry, yes. uh, but I'm looking at you too. And that's where my, my brain, <laughs> anyway. Um, so anyway, it's a, it's an incredible book and they can go on Amazon and buy it. Probably. I just, I bought it through Mark. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'll put that that's on my reading list. Might even take it with me on vacation next week. Another vacation. Well, this is kind of the new thing. I take vacation every about every quarter, and then I have a sabbatical coming up at the end of the year, which is six weeks. So about uh, nine weeks this year. Next year, it'll be 12. So we're in the process of hiring a national sales manager, and one of the, the options we had is we could hire them ourselves or we could go to a recruiting agency. And in talking with Kelly, our coach, uh, she said, you can you can go through Indeed or, or however you wanna do it. And I go, no. I said, I'm not an expert at hiring people. I'll pay the fee. I don't wanna go through the minutia of going through all the resumes. And I don't necessarily know how to pick the best candidate for a position like this so we hired this firm and um that was an that was an interesting process and i just looked at it and go by hiring experts um it just makes your life so much easier no different than we're building a house in scottsdale and i told you ladies about the interior designer that we uh, we hired and what a difference what a difference i looked at the money that it was going to cost us and i went man that's a lot of money uh, I just don't want to, you know, everything in building is more expensive. And as soon as we made the decision, wrote the check, and then when we got the design book back, we said that was the easiest money we could have ever spent because it gave us a roadmap and we saw the pictures of how the house was going to look and the different things that were going to be in there from lighting fixtures. And, and we've got a friend who's building at the same time, they're doing it themselves. And it's the time suck involved, and now you got to mesh things. All anyway, all that stuff. Um, but one of the questions that this um, recruiting company said is about vacation. <clears throat> How much vacation time? And I just look at things from a results standpoint. If we're hitting our numbers, I don't care if they're they work four days a week. I don't care. Like I'm not going to sit there and micromanage you. Just do your job. Get, here's here's what our goals are. Here's what our objective is. Here's the tools. If you need me, I'm here. If you want me to go somewhere, I'll go. But do your job, hit your numbers. 
And she goes, well, we need to be a little bit more clearly defined than that. I said, well, I think that they need to take a week off a quarter because if you want to run hard and get stuff done, you need to recharge your batteries. And I'm a huge advocate for going away. And Gail, I love the story about you going up to Montreal. And I hope that was awesome, by the way. It was. It was great. Great food, great people. Absolutely. Well, and that was just in May, and we're going to we're going to be on the coast of Oregon out at um, Depot Bay at the end of August. So we're looking forward to that, and we'll meet up with Patty and with another friend Garrison and and their spouses. So it'll be a lot of fun. It's usually we're on vacation by ourselves, but this time we're going to meet up with people that we enjoy being with. Awesome. Uh, so I just think that balance is. If you're gonna do a good job, don't go through the motions. When you're working work, when you're playing playing, it's all living, going back to Branson. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that too. Well, as we wrap up, we usually ask um, our podcast guests to share three takeaways with our clients that you'd like for them to kind of take away that they could implement into their life or their business um, as they finish up this podcast. So to summarize, and you didn't put this question on there. So I know. We're keeping you on your toes. We know that you can perform like this. It's great. First of all, we didn't know what day it was. And second <laughs> of all, no. now you're giving me tricks at the end. A <laughs> um, couple of things that, that I live my life by. Um, one is happiness is a choice. You can either choose, choose whichever path you want to go down. Um, don't be in a relationship you don't want to be in. Make quick decisions. Some of them are going to be wrong. Just understand, uh, it's better to make a wrong decision than it's to make no decision. Because if you make no decision, that's a decision too. But you're out of control. Something that we didn't talk about, but I think is so important for people, is stress is a choice. People get stressed when they feel out of control. It's your life. Nobody can fix it but you. So if you're stressed, determine why am I stressed? Like I'm a, I'm a big advocate and I tell my team this and I tell my family this. I can only be the best head I can be. I can't, I can be a great husband, but I can't drag my wife into the relationship. I can't drag my kids into the relationship. I can't drag my clients or my friends into the relationship. They've got to be around you because they want to be around you. So focus on you and be the best you can be. Um, determine when things are really, uh, so many people uh, will inflame things and go, oh, what a disaster. Hold on, did anybody die? No, you can fix it. Okay, take a step back. Let's not overinflate things, which happens way too much in today's society. Let's just be the calm person in the room, you know, the, the adult in the room. And, and the last thing that I want to share with you, which is something I learned when I moved to the States, I met a guy and he's a stockbroker and he goes, if you have no expectations, you're never disappointed. Relationships fail, whether they're personal business, whatever, when we have an expectation of somebody. The expectations are of us. So there are kind of um, uh, must have, can't stands. 
you know, there's, I'm trying to think of, I've been married so long, but this was a book a friend of ours gave us for our daughter and it was picking uh, uh, a soulmate. And it was, you got to create a list of must haves, can't stands, and that goes for everybody. So you pick, these are the, these are the core fundamentals that I live by. And so the people around me, the, they're going to stand by the same things. And there's uh, other things that you just go, oh, it's no big deal. It's not the end of the world or there are things that grade on you like fingernails on a chalkboard well you don't want those people in your life like i don't do drama so if somebody's filled with drama i have zero interest in them now that's probably more than three but those are kind of the core values of, I love of it. how i how i function i love that it is great well ted it's been a pleasure having you on our podcast and we'll have to do this again and have some other deep conversations we're gonna to have to come up with new questions for you <laughs> well it's it but it, that's the fun part is when you connect with somebody and you gals are freaking awesome i love talking to you and gail i admire so much the fact that you could create a business when you're um over 50. Well, that just happened to be the time that it happened. So I know, but I think that's fantastic. And uh, obviously, you've done a great job uh, with Aaron. And Aaron, you're pretty easy to talk to and be around. But those are the fun things. And I'm excited to go to uh, Charleston and uh, meet you guys in person. And I'd love to do this again. This is awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today and enjoy the ocean. And we'll look forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks. All right. Thank you. Thanks Bye. so much. So what did you learn from Ted Bainbridge? Let us know your favorite takeaway in the comments on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. And if you're not subscribed to the Creative Genius Podcast yet, please do so. Next week, we'll be speaking with Rob Kresak, so stay tuned for this transformative chat.